Hey guys, thanks for checking out this podcast, episode number one. We've got Hope Little. She is the queen of adoption, fostering, all those things. She's got some great information that we loved hearing about, and we know you will too. So Hope, welcome to the Every Arkansan podcast episode number one you're our inaugural guest yay tell us a little bit about yourself my name is hope little and uh, i'm married my husband's name is kevin we have four kids um our oldest is now a teenager so that's a whole new world and then we um are cat people we have two cats i um live in central arkansas but i grew up in north central arkansas in a tiny little town called melbourne and I lovingly, when people are like, where is that? I tell them it's the middle of nowhere, Arkansas. It really is, but it's beautiful. It's the foothill of the Ozarks. But I grew up in the country um, with cows and horses on like a farm ranch type setting. And still one of my favorite things is to go back to my parents' house and get out and help my dad like take care of cows, feed them and count them and move them from field. How, how many cows does he have? Um, he usually has somewhere between 200 and 250 cattle. Do they all have names as no. unique as your cat's name? No, they don't. But they all, they all, a few have names, the ones that, you know, either have a unique look to them or a unique story, but the rest all just have tagged numbers and bit numbers. <laughs> so, but a few, a few special ones get named. So you grew up around a cattle farm? Mm-hmm. Yes. And you had lots of pets. Lots of pets out in the country. And that's still me. I mean, just at the heart of me, I'm just a good good country girl. But I, I think that's one fun thing about me. I really feel like I could, um, you know, live in the middle of nowhere in the country and be happy. But I feel like, too, you could drop me in the middle of New York City, give me a nice little apartment there in the middle of it all. I could be happy. Um, I've traveled and even lived abroad. and I've enjoyed it all. So... Um, I, I appreciate just the uniqueness of everywhere that I've ever been. I really think I could enjoy and find something fun about about all of it. So. But I, li- I like central Arkansas, where I am. It's a good place <laughs> and where God currently wants me. God so. currently wants you. And we're glad you're here. Um, you've kind of become known as the, the orphan woman. Um, yes around church and, and, and around town you've got your fingers in a lot of different things how in the world did you kind of get that god-given dream in your heart where, where did it start it started when i was young when i was around 10 years of age i believe i have a cousin who's a lot older than me and um, him and his wife actually adopted a little boy out of foster care and around that same time, um, a little boy moved into my school and was in my classroom, and he was in foster care. And so um, yeah, at about 10 years of age, all of a sudden, I didn't even know that foster care <laughs> existed before then, but all of a sudden, I just learned the reality of what was going on in families and really just these kids in foster care, kids in crisis, it just kind of broke my heart. And um, God just started staring in me. And so I remember growing up, Um, from that point on even all the way through my teen years my parents I would make them on Wednesdays watch Wednesday's Child I don't know if you remember that on the news but every Wednesday um, I'm not sure which channel it was but they would highlight kids that needed adopted out of foster care and every Wednesday my parents didn't have a choice they had to watch it with me (laughs) and every Wednesday I begged them to adopt every single kid that came on and they always said no 
And I always told them that was okay when I grew up. I was going to adopt some of the kids out of foster care. And I don't think they believed me. But, um, yeah, so I grew up, and it was just always my heart. And so me and my husband have adopted one child internationally and three children out of foster care. And then we've also um, fostered for about five years. And um, I've just had the privilege of being involved in different events with The Call, Immerse Arkansas, and Project Zero, and just a few other um, organizations here in Central Arkansas that work with foster care and kids in crisis over the year. And so, I don't know, it's just, it's my, it's my passion. And so, um, yeah, that is my heart, and that's started at a young age. And it's always, it's always been my dream. So even I remember in high school, like I would have friends who would talk about what it was gonna be like growing up and getting married and having kids. And I was dreaming of adopting kids and where I was going to adopt them from and how many at a time. And now, did you warn your husband about this before <laughs> y'all got married? I actually did. We were dating and we were, you know, getting a little bit on the serious side and I set him down and I told him that, you know, he wanted to pursue things further with me. He was going to have to be okay with adopting some kiddos. <laughs> and, and how long were y'all married before you adopted your first one, Finn? Mm -hmm. His name the is teenager. Finn, the, te the now teenager. Five years we were married, um, right at five years, maybe just a little over five years. So. And, and you adopted him internationally. Yes, he's from East Africa. And that is an insane story, just in and of itself. Do you mind sharing that? <laughs> oh, just a little bit, yeah. Um, we went and we'd done the whole process. We thought I would be there. I was just going alone without my husband. I would be there for two to three weeks. And two years and three months later, <laughs> we finally came home with him. And it, it was kind of crazy. And I think a lot of people, everybody thought we were crazy. I think some people thought we were like bad crazy, like we'd really lost our minds. But some people thought we were like good crazy, like we were just following after God. And um, we felt like we were good crazy. And just through it all, I just kept feeling like God was saying, this is your son. It may not be easy, but the door's not closed. I mean, it's not wide open, but it's not closed. I'm still providing a way. And just to keep going and just to keep pursuing him. And so we did. And so eventually yeah. it took us a little over two years. But and and you're kind of oversimplifying this because <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, we went over there and things didn't work out. And so we just made a couple of trips back. You actually. I lived there. You stayed yes. in Africa. Yes. Most of the time without your husband. Yes. Because he had to stay here and work. We had to have money. You had to have money. <laughs> but you literally just kind of became a citizen of this country and just waited on the steps of the courthouse or whatever. Yes. I will have this child. He is mine already in my heart. and <laughs> Pretty much, yes, because we were then we became foster parents there. So we just fostered him until finally we could get what we needed to bring him back with us. So, yeah, because we were convinced that he was he was ours and that God was saying he was ours. And so um, and I even felt like at times, I don't know, this, this might sound weird, but God kept telling me, you know, like Jesus, what he did to come here what I was doing to go there get my son was nothing compared what he did to come here and so um I just felt like it was a beautiful little glimpse so again my sacrifice was nothing compared to what Jesus did but I, I kept hearing him being like I'll give you strength I mean I came from heaven to earth I sacrificed a lot to get you you can do this little I'll give you the strength and so I just felt like he kept telling me that so we just kept going until finally we got all of that I's dotted and T's crossed and got to bring him home. It just took a little longer than, than we had planned or expected. But um, 
he was worth it and it was all worth it and um I know a lot more about East Africa and his homeland now too so I guess that's good that's a bonus so. I mean that's one of those things most of us um if the if the line is too long at the restaurant we're going to <laughs> we change lines or we, we go to a different restaurant or, or whatever I mean you literally spent two years and three months I mean to those people that have dreams mm. that that I had this dream when I was 22 and three months later it doesn't happen and they just give up on it. I mean, is, is, is there something, I mean, you kind of shared a little bit just relating back to the story uh, of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there something else that just kind of helped you through that time of just like unknown and is this really your dream God or are you closing the door on this or, or what is it? Um, I mean, I didn't have a lot to do there except for to take care of Ben. And so, I mean, I did spend lots of time just with God and just praying and reading the word. And he would just uh, give me just a little bit of something, like, just just to keep me going. Because there were times, and I would be like, I can't do this. This is too much. We're never going to make it. You know, and I was always afraid that Finn was going to leave us and we wouldn't get to bring him home. Or, um, But I don't know. God just... Uh, he would just answer, and, and it would it would just be it could just be little things like there might be some food I was craving or something, but it just wasn't available there. Then all of a sudden, in the grocery store, you know, they started carrying Pringles, or you know, it was just, it was just little things like that. So, um, and that that really is true. I am, um, you know, was missing American some of the comforts, and I was like, ah, oh, would love to have some barbecue potato chips, and they started carrying Pringles in the local little shop down the road, and um, I used to me and Finn used to eat barbecue Pringles and I would tell him it was America in a can. Like, just wait till you get home. So we still jokingly, me and him, call it America in a can. But, um, so it was even just a lot of little things like that. I would feel like, oh, I can't do this. And he, he would, um, he would just bring me little things. He would just, uh, even little simple things like that. And I'd be like, okay, God hasn't left me. He's in this. I mean, he even, he hears my simple little cry for barbecue potato chips. So I know he's listening and in his time, he's, it's going to be okay. And so I would just keep going and just keep uh, trudging along step by step. So. And, I mean, just knowing you for as long as I have, I mean, that was just one crazy God situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, your other three children you've adopted out of foster care. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, to me, some of the moments that you've had were some of the scariest in the world for me because mm-hmm. you – invested in these kids lives and they were part how how in the world did you and your husband Mm -hmm. because it was just as emotional roller coaster for him (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean how how in the world did that did that kind of flow i mean well i I think too something that i've learned is when you bring a, a child into your home um through adoption um it's usually a very hard process um, it costs a lot of money. It's really hard to get them in your home. And, and I think, to be honest, because we're fighting, because um, Satan doesn't want kids into a loving Christian home. So I think we're fighting to bring them in. And one of our kids was kind of easier to get into our home, but I think it was because the fight was on the other side, just getting over some major trauma. But in those moments, yeah, I mean, it was hard, but I don't know. You just, um, when you're fostering, you just love these kids with your whole heart. And I feel like, again, 
God always told me um, I was just supposed to give them my whole heart, whatever happened, whether they went to their bio family, whether they went to another family, um, a few did end up staying with us. And so just love them with my own heart. And, and I knew my heart was going to get broken, but I knew that God could heal it. But I knew, because I, I knew the healer, but those little kids didn't. And so I felt like I was, in a way, taking their heartbreak. And so, but it was hard, and there were there were scary moments. Um, I remember we were fostering one little baby that I had just fallen head over heels for. And uh, I was taking him um, to the DCFS office to do something, and his caseworker was in the parking lot. And, um, and she had some paperwork in her hand, and I thought, oh, she's going to take the baby and give me the paperwork, and we're never going to see this kid again. And... Um, <clears throat> I mean, it was just, I even remember just trying to walk and my feet were just so heavy. But I don't know, God just, he just gives you strength in the moment. And, um, but there have been times when kids have left and I mean, I just, I didn't think I was going to make it. Um, But again, God's just been faithful and he heals. And I just have to believe that the time that they were in our home, that, and the love that we gave them, that that somehow God's going to use that in their lives. And I may not ever know that here on heaven, on the other side of heaven, but I think that someday, someday I'm going to ask him, okay, what did you do with all this? Because I, I believe, and I believe that he's faithful. And so, um, you know, so we didn't go through the heartache. We didn't just give out the love for nothing. And so, um, yeah. And so it was never, we didn't foster to try to keep the kids, but we were willing if that was ever the need. But um, we just knew we were going to love each and every one of them as if they were staying forever. But we were just going to love them with open hands and let God take them where they were going to be. <laughs> and at times that got hard. Like it was really hard. Like one little guy we'd had for two and a half years, another little guy we'd had for two years. And so that, that's when it gets hard. <laughs> but again, um, you know, we knew that, that God was faithful and he would take care of us and he would take care of them. And I think he did. So. And hopefully we made a difference. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you, you did. I mean, just looking at uh, your children, I mean, it's amazing just to, to see all these different kids, I mean, all these different families, all just gelling together because they're part of this, this bigger family. And it's not just the Hope and Kevin Little family. Right. It, it, it's the family of God. I mean, mm-hmm. I see them running around, whether it's at church or, or running around wherever they are. Mm-hmm even with complete strangers. And it's just, you can just see Hope and Kevin Little in each of them, um, even though they're not your biological children. Right. right. Um, and that's just a testament to just well, thank you. something you said in there just kind of hit me. It's, you were willing to take the heartbreak for them. And that's mm-hmm. totally counter to our world today. It's, it's like, oh, I, I don't want to have a broken heart or I don't want to go through right. this pain or I don't want to do this. Well, no one does. Right. But you kind of, we're willing to jump head into it because you saw a bigger picture. Right. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you're going to have heartache. So, and um, as long as you know the one who can heal your broken heart, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. And in the end, I mean, you just draw closer to Jesus in those moments when you are heartbroken. So, I mean, it's worth it. It's worth it for the kids, but it's also worth it. And I think that's sometimes what people don't know too about fostering, especially. Um, you know, the moments that I've been closest to God hasn't been in church, and I haven't felt his presence the most in church when there's great worship. I mean, I've felt him there, and that's been great. But it's in those moments, um, like once we were fostering this little girl. She was four. She was new to care. She would wake up in the middle of the night every night crying. 
and the only thing that helped her would be me um, praying and singing Jesus songs is what she called them and in those moments I mean I mean you could just feel God in the room and then one little baby that we brought home was still going through drug withdrawals and just as I was holding him I mean it was like I could tangibly feel God holding me and so um you know, so in a way, everybody's like, oh, that's so selfless, but not really. <laughs> I mean, when you're serving others, when you're loving, when you're giving to others, I mean, that's when you really experience and feel God's presence. And so as much as I would like to be like, yeah, I'm just really great. I'm doing it all for the kids. I'm doing it for me, too, because um, that's maybe what people don't realize. That's what we're made to do. And if you really want to experience God and if you really want to be in his presence and you really want to know him, um, getting out there and just kind of putting your heart on the line and just getting in the muck, um, that's where you're really going to experience him. So I'm really not this great selfless person. <laughs> I, um, I do it a lot for me, too, just because I want and need more God. And that's where I found him. Uh, fostering and adoption are mm -hmm. these very, very large commitments. Yes. And I mean, we always hear well, if every church would just foster one child, we mm -hmm. would solve this problem. Um, and and that's great if you can find that one person. Right. And I know that that's a difficult task because the, the stories that you share, are, not everyone is as strong as you guys. Not everyone mm -hmm. can be as optimistic as you guys in that. But there's a lot of other ways that, mm -hmm. that, that I've seen you kind of develop and and build at church in those things. I mean, you've worked with safe families. Mm -hmm. Describe that just a little bit okay. um, from a church perspective. Okay, Safe Families for Children is a great ministry. And um, it's, it's kind of a preventive measure. And it's something that has started in the past few years here in Arkansas. And um, really it can be when there's a, a, a family that's in a little bit of a crisis but there's nothing going on that would make the child have to go into um, foster care, but the parents might, um, you know, they might need to go to rehab, or they might have some sort of, they might have done some sort of petty crime that's gonna even, you know, they might have to go to jail for a few weeks because there's no other option because they've done a few petty crimes. Um, but you know, there's nothing that they have to go into foster care. They're not being abusive, they're not being neglective. Then um, Safe Families is an organization where people can just um, host these children for a few weeks, a few days, maybe a month or two to prevent them to going into foster care. And so it's really a great, and, and that's really, I think, um, God's just been stirring in me more of just a desire to help prevent um, what, what would happen if we didn't have all these kids in foster care. Yes, we need more foster, we need more adoptive, but what if we just didn't have as many kids coming into the system because we were helping the families before they ever got there? So it, it is a great program, and uh, it's something I, I try to tell everybody about, and I try to just uh, ring ring the bell for them because it's such a beautiful, a beautiful organization, and I, I really believe it can really help prevent some kids coming into foster care. And, and on that same note, um, during kind of a similar time period. Mm -hmm you kind of discovered something called CarePort. Yes. So how in the world did that come about? So, <clears throat> Okay, well we have to go back really to when I was fostering. So when I was fostering, and something people always ask me, they were like, didn't you want to keep every kid that you fostered? I kind of did, but at the same time, I wanted to keep their whole family. Um, as I would be in there, I'd be like 
it might even be a 35 year old mom but I was like oh she needs a mom herself or um you know it might be a grandma even and and I just wanted to I just wanted to adopt the whole family I'm like forget about just the kid I wanted them to all come because I just saw brokenness and hurt in their lives and the DCFS workers work so hard but still it's a government agency they have so many cases that they're trying to work with and then you know foster families are working so hard just to take care of the needs of these children I was like who's really wrapping around who's really helping these bio families and so God just kind of started stirring that in my heart and I actually have a notebook at home and so for the past few years I've actually been dreaming and praying of maybe what a ministry would look like that would do lots of prevention and that would help prevent kids from coming into foster care and so that's one reason I love um, Safe Families for Children they do that but um, yeah so I've just been praying and thinking and um, I kept telling God it's not gonna be me but you're gonna find somebody <laughs> and um, he's just a little bit funny like that but really what happened was um, a DCFS worker told um, my pastor about Care Portal and he basically uh, told my husband and me because again I'm kind of yeah known as the crazy like foster adopt lady at our church hey why don't you go check this thing out and so we started researching it and really care portal can do a lot but it was really the prevention side of things that really piqued my interest and so um, just started researching it even went to Kansas City up to where the headquarters is and just found more and more and before I know it I'm here helping run it in, in central Arkansas but um, and really at the core of it, Care Portal is really just a tool. It's a way for churches to be connected um, and to learn about needs in their community through DCFS. And so here in Central Arkansas right now, DCFS, as we're growing it and getting bigger, they're really focusing on prevention. And so basically what happens is um, a DCFS worker will go out and they will go into a home and they will find a child and family in crisis but again, it's not to a degree where the child needs to be removed from the home. Um, a lot of the times it's just poverty mm -hmm. and things that go along with poverty. And so then they can go back to their office and they can pull up Care Portal. They can tap a little email, put out a request, and it's sent out to churches that have um, decided to enroll in Care Portal. And they get the request and a church will be like, hey, we can meet that need. Um, the number one thing that we've needed is cribs for babies. Babies have to be in a crib. Um, so if they're safe sleeping, it really cuts down on SIDS cases. And so, um, yeah, so a church is like, I can meet that need. And so they get the items and they go take it to the family. And when they're there, they just try to love and connect with that family. And um, DCFS even sees the value in that. Unfortunately, poverty um, is a real isolating thing. And so a lot of people who are in poverty, they don't have a lot of good community. And so here come some people from a church, and one thing that churches have in abundance is, is just a lot of community. It's a great place to be known and to know people. And so um, the goal is to help them with that immediate need, but hopefully to make some connections so that there are some people who are isolated, but they will end up um, finding community and having friends and people who can really walk beside them and, and help them. Well, and what I love about this is the extremes that you've gone to scare a lot of people. Bringing a stranger into my home, I mean, how's that gonna interact with my kids or whatever? This is one of those things to where we can really mm -hmm. just live out that James 127 right. of loving loving on, on these orphans 
um, we're not bringing them into our home. Right. We're meeting their needs. Mm-hmm. Um, needs of the physical, but more yes. importantly, needs of relational. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's so crazy to me when when we talk about oh, kids are being raised by grandparents these days. Well, mm-hmm. you're 16, you had your first kid. You're 32, you're a grandparent. You're 48, you're a great-grandparent. Well, that's me. Right. And I'm just a parent and still trying to figure it out. And, and so it's just so exciting to me to see Care Portable because it's it's bringing these relationships, people that have been there and done that. And mm-hmm. when you're frustrated that your teenager has done something <laughs> stupid, can be there to put their arm around you and say, right. hey, it's going to be okay. Or, I mean, you need a crib. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? You also might need a babysitter. Or right. you might need someone that's going to come in and say, hey, here's how to heat a bottle. Mm-hmm. Don't put it in the microwave. I mean, what whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, to have someone. Someone mm-hmm. that you can call. Someone that, that can be a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and is going to love you. Yes. Because the truth of the matter is, is that a child that ages out of foster care, they turn 18, and so many of them are just forgotten. Mm-hmm. Whether the family just moves on or, or whatever it is, but I think the statistic last I saw was within 24 months, they'll either have a child or be in jail. Mm-hmm. And this is a great way to head that off. Right. Because there's something innate about keeping a child with that loving yes. mother and that loving father yes. um, and not stripping that right away just right. because someone's poor. Right. Just because exactly. they don't have a baby bed. Right. I mean, it's just crazy mm-hmm. to think that you could lose a child over that. Yeah, but it's, it is a reality. Mm-hmm. Well, um, e- even this week we had a request. So this little cold front has come in. And um, there was a mom with a newborn baby. And um, didn't really have any relatives or family that could take her and the child in. Or that could even just take the child and so, but she didn't have any, her utilities, didn't have any utilities in her home. And uh, DCFS couldn't let this newborn little baby be in this, and would just, it would have been too dangerous. And so, uh, yeah, they put a request in for Care Portal. And I talked to the lady who um, ended up filling the request at a church. And she said, DSF just told her, this, we have to get utilities paid in the next few hours, get them on so this child can go home with his parent or we have to take it into custody because it's just going to be too dangerous over the next few days with these cold temperatures. And, um, you know, some, a, a family at a church paid, I think a little over $200, got her utilities turned back on and her baby got to go home with her, her newborn baby. And so, but I, I just think that that's, it's simple, but also it's, it's beautiful. Because, you know, and we don't know all the details of what's going on in this this young lady's life. But um, the caseworker did tell her and listed all these different places she had reached out for help. And it was a few days before any of them could get the money to her. And so it was different organizations. And so, anyways, it was just, it was just real exciting. And it was just... Um, I don't know. And th- then we also know about her. Several people know. We don't know her name, but we know there's this newborn um, and her mama. And we know a few things. She doesn't have much community, and they're definitely living in poverty. And so even just the prayers, I'm hoping, will help. But now also um, she's had a connection um, with the community, and she knows that they care. And so we'll just see where that leads. But um, but her child did not come to Karen's with her. I'm, I'm just ecstatic about that. And um, because, too, um, 
it's trauma. It's trauma for these kids when they leave. Um, sometimes there's so much trauma going on at home that it's best for them to leave and they have to come into care. But sometimes, especially when it's just poverty and that sort of thing, it's more trauma for them to come into care emotionally. But um, sometimes for their physical safety, unfortunately, it still happens. But yeah, especially in those cases, if we can just, you know, um, keep it so that it's physically safe, then emotionally those kids are going to be so much better staying where they are instead of coming into foster care. Awesome, awesome. We're so thankful that you're jumping on this initiative. and. Right now you're signing up churches and pastors. Yes. Um, yes. What's the best way to get a hold of you for uh, someone at a church that says, hey, our church needs to be in this game. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be taking in foster kids, but we can keep them from ever getting in the system, right. which is two steps ahead of the game. Right. Um, what, what's the best way to contact you? Yes, the best way is to email me, okay. hope at ardreamcenter.tv. Okay. And, um, and our goal is to have 10% or more of churches in Pulaski County involved because we really want to, we really want to make like a grid. And so every time there's a need, um, we would love for even churches that are really close. So instead of a church that's 15 miles away on the other side of the county, we would love a church that's really close to be able to meet that need. And we're already even seeing churches work together to kind of do that. So one church might have a crib, but another church is a bit closer, and so they're working to deli- together to deliver cribs. And so I'm pretty excited about seeing is that. So so we do need and want more churches um, because again, to um, that's just more needs we can meet, but also we can just um, meet a need with a church closer to the person in need. And so we just feel like there will be a greater chance of making a connection. And, and I know that you said Pulaski County, but. The dream is every county in Arkansas, DHS just works county by county. So the the logical place to start was state capital, Pulaski County. And the the dream is to build out from there and and to see every Arkansan have that hope of Mm -hmm. a family. Yes. And Care Portal is actually already in Sebastian too, Sebastian County. And um, when you look at DCFS numbers, the largest number of kids are in Sebastian and Pulaski. So those are definitely the two so um you can also get involved there but but yes that's the goal is that every county in the state will have care portal going awesome awesome well thank you so much hope for for being our inaugural guest on this podcast i mean we had to start off strong so everyone's got (laughs) the bar they've got to jump up to but thank you so much for being here thank you for all you do thank your husband Thank the kids, because I know that um, they believe in this as much as you do. They, so. they do. So. Okay, All thank right. you, Drew. Hey, guys, we hope you enjoyed Hope's story today. It just touches me when someone can make these sacrifices that she's made, adoption, fostering. Those are just amazing, amazing differences that she's making in someone else's lives. And I'm so thankful for all of you out there who have done that yourself. If you like this story, we hope that you're going to subscribe to this podcast. Give us a big thumbs up. If there's something in this that really just touched your heart, let us know with a timestamp of where it was in the podcast because we would love to find more people out there with these stories to encourage you to chase after your God-given dream.